Good morning. My name's Chris, and I am so thankful to be with you. Jesus, I love that song. I'm so grateful that you sang that. Well, let's think about it. The, the Spanish translation directly is uh, one God, and he has all the authority. Um, the English, I'm trying to remember the English, what, what, the, the chorus in the English. Your word is true. One, yeah, one word from you, and say it again. Let me just let you say it, because I keep messing it up. Say it again. On your authority. Now, think about that. Things change on, on one word from God. You know, right now, here's what I want to start today. Um, we need to pray for Afghanistan. Uh, you know, I, I serve, many of you, so you may not know this, but I serve as a trustee for the IMB which is the International Mission Board. You realize that we send missionaries as Southern Baptists all over the world. We have missionaries that have been in Afghanistan. Now, they've all gotten out, but they've been in contact with their Christian friends and their pastors. And, and you know what? I've gotten a message from, from just some of our people there. You know, we have people there that are our brothers and sisters in Christ right now in Afghanistan. And, and you know, this, ho- this seems hopeless, right? But, but let's think about what we just sang. One word from God, he has all the authority. One word from God changes everything, can change everything. Now, now you know what it looks like, man, it's hopeless right there. But, but I want you to read, I want to read something as a quote we got from one of our Afghan pastors. And I think about, let's, let's not forget this. We have Afghan pastors that love Jesus, that are serving the Lord. And I want, you, I want, to, I want to read to you what I got last night um, from one of my uh, fellow trustees at the IMB. He says, he, this, this quote came in. He, this pastor says this, now our work begins We are surrounded by darkness, but in the darkness, God is building his kingdom. Among Afghans, there has never been more interest in social media. Now, now think about that. Uh, I think that's an important thing to remember, that social media, a lot lot of people have phones today. And right now, there's never been more interest in social media. And this is what he says, Taliban are not in charge. Jesus is in charge. The Taliban simmered and survived 19 years in the mountains. Get ready, Afghan church, to survive and grow. God has a purpose. The West may have abandoned the Afghan church, but the Lord has never abandoned his church in Afghanistan. We Afghans did not want our suffering to be public. Now if the Taliban hurts the church, the world will know. Let the church grow in Afghanistan, grow like never before. I got that last, I got that at, at about, um, about 11.30 last night. And, and you know what? It reminded me of Jeremiah 32, 38 that says, and they shall be my people and I will be their God. So, so here's what I want us to do this morning before we jump into this is so relevant to where God has us in Ezra today. It's unbelievably relevant. 
because um, if you have a pen, I want you to write three things down because there's three things that we need to pray for, okay? So number one that we need to pray for today is the emergency evacuation of, of high-profile leaders in the Afghan church. We're trying to help get them out. Because, because you know what? These leaders, they are willing to die for their faith, but, but if we can rescue them, we sure are going to try. Um, and so can I just ask you to pray for the rescue of these leaders? Um, you know, God has a way of blinding eyes and opening up doors and pathways. And so I'm praying that we can get some of these Christians out. Second thing, and this is a big thing all over the world, the resettlement and support of refugees from Afghanistan. You know, a lot of them got out. A lot of Christians are getting out. And, um, and um, they're going to countries. Do you realize that we have some new members in our church that their parents are missionaries in Germany? And they are working with refugees, and a lot of those are Afghanistan, Afghani refugees coming to Germany. But you know, we have refugees coming to the United States from Afghanistan. My brother, who's a missions pastor in Edmond, Oklahoma, uh, at Henderson Hills Baptist Church, uh, he has already petitioned James Langford to say, James, look, we'll take Afghan refugees in Edmond. Let, let us know. And so let's pray for the resettlement of these Afghan refugees because they're going from all over the world all over the world, but, but let's also pray, third thing, for the global Afghan church planting. Well, let's, play, let's pray for the church in Afghanistan, because let me tell you something, they're still there. Believers are still there. But let's also pray for the global Afghan church that is, that is starting to form. They're moving to different countries, then they're going to gather together in support and, and, and for gospel ministry because not everybody that's gotten out are Christians. And so, look, I want us to just stop and pray right now for those three things. And um, in light of what we just sang, God, on your word, authority rests. On one word from God, authority rests. Carol, could I impose on you to stand and pray for just the Afghans and just this work? Would you do that? Would you mind doing that? And now let's, let me give you a microphone just for fun because not everybody will be able to hear. So can I just have you come up here? Sorry to put you on the spot, but I'm not sorry, I guess, because I just asked to do that. So... Maybe I'm not sorry, but thank you for praying. So, and it, just, just, yeah, just voice it. God'll, God'll take care. Dear Lord, you are, you do have all authority, Lord. We want to praise you and thank you so much for that, Lord. We just trust you with um, the outcome of whatever all of the difficult things that are going on in Afghan right now. Lord, you love your people. Your word will go forth. And, Lord, we pray that many, through all of this turmoil, will t surrender their lives to you. Lord, I pray for strength and protection for each believer who is there. Lord, um, empower them to share your gospel boldly. Lord, uh, help them to stand firm um, in, in their belief in you. Lord, we pray that you would just... 
cover the eyes of those who intend evil against uh, these who are trusting in you, uh, that uh, they will not see them and that they, that they will be passed over just as the um, Passover uh, lamb uh, provided covering for those who trusted in you. So, Lord, we pray that um, in every way that you will provide protection, that your kingdom will go forth, that each of these who have become refugees, Lord, now or in other places in the world and are trying to adjust, that you would um, just be their comfort, their strength, and that you would provide all the needs that they have, Lord, as they adjust to a new uh, a whole new culture to live in. But most of all, Lord, help them to stand firm in their faith and that uh, because of it, your word will spread further and further every day. Lord, we pray for the leaders and uh, um, the churches there that you would provide them wisdom and courage uh, and that they would be a strong support, Lord, and that in every way your name would be glorified through all this difficult situation. We thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you, Carol. Thank you very much. You know, it's James. Remember James, the book of James? James is Jesus' brother, and he wrote in his book, Count It All Joy, when you encounter trials of many kinds. And, and that's fascinating to me. That's a mystery to me because, you know, trials don't, doesn't seem like a time that you'd be like, oh, this is great. This is joyful. But, but, but that's true. It's in trials that God works. God moves. God is, uh, is leading and God is empowering. And that's what I don't want to forget. I don't want to forget right now that in God's word, that, that he reminds us that in the midst of even the most difficult of situations, what does God do? He provides strength. He provides power. So let's think about these Afghan Christians that, that, are, that are sleeping right now, wondering, is tomorrow going to be my last day? Because the Taliban are going door to door. But at the same time, God provides strength. God provides power. God provides joy. Count it all joy when you face all kinds of trials. Now, the word that, that God's used that verse in my life so many times. Now, that's what God does with his word. He uses his word. That's why Ezra chapter 7 verse 10 is something I want to challenge you to memorize. Uh, Marcia, would you put that verse back up there? Because I just want us to see it again. Ezra 10. In fact, I want us to stand together and let's quote it together. Can we do that? Stand with me. Stand with me. And, and, and now, now when you, I want you to memorize it. I want to challenge you to memorize that verse through this series. Now, I know we've already said it before, but there's a good habit when you're memorizing a passage of Scripture. You always need to say, and I think it's helpful to say, the reference, the verse, and then the reference. Because that gets the reference in your mind. So let's do this together, okay? I'm going to, let's just say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Ezra 7, 10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and teach his statutes and rules in Israel. Ezra 7.10. One more time. Ezra 7.10. For Ezra had set his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it and to teach his statutes and rules in Israel. 
Ezra 7.10. Thank you. you Maybe see it. Now, this is the word of the Lord, isn't it? Praise be to God for that. Let's try it again. This is the word of the Lord. Yeah, I love that. I love that because aren't you thankful for the Lord's word? Now, what did, let's think about this verse. What does Ezra do? He set his heart. And, 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 you know, you set your heart to something, right? These Afghans, you know what they're doing right now? They're setting their heart to serve the Lord. That means they're determined to do it. If you set your heart to something, you're determined. Well, what does Ezra set his heart to? To study the law of the Lord. Look, we need the word of God. We need God's instruction. We need God's word to us. And, and I would say to us, that's, that's one of the things that we desperately need to understand is the word of God. And at the time of Ezra, God's people had gotten off of his word. You know, you know that that's a tendency, that's a problem for God's people all through history, to get away from the word of God? I would say that's a problem today in churches. There are many churches that have gotten off of the gospel. That they, they've turned their face to other things. Like, you know, there's all kinds of things people turn their face to for political issues or maybe just looking inwardly. And I love it that Misael, what, what a great word today. That Misael said, you know, fish are jumping in our church. I mean, I mean, that's crazy to me. I mean, to be, I mean, Matthew 4.19 says we're to be fishers of men, right? Jesus said to Peter, come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. And, and there are times in the history of, the, of churches that, that God just says, I'm going to bring fish to you. Well, that's what he does every time, honestly. He brings fish to us. And so, so many times churches get off of the law of God, of the commandment of God. And we understand the great commission that we are called to. We are called to go to all the world, all nations. And think about what we've done today. We've sung in English and Spanish. And think about what the Lord is doing. I mean, because this is a part of the city where, where people that speak Spanish live. And so for us to turn our face away from that would be a mistake. But look how God is moving among us. Ezra turned his heart to study the law of God. But notice he didn't just set his heart to study the law, but he went, what was the second thing? He did it. He did it. And then this is the mistake that a lot of people make. They, they, they may be, like in Baptist life, we, we as Southern Baptists, boy, we know our theology, right? Uh, we know our Bible, right? We do. We work to study the Bible. We work on things like the Old Testament because it's hard to study an Old Testament book. Ezra, you know, it's, it's, it's a long time ago, and it's, it's the Old Testament, and so often it's easier to study the New Testament. But, but, but we need to study the Old Testament. It's a revelation of God. And so, you know what? We can't just know the Bible. We've got to do the Bible. And this is very important. We got to pay attention to the way we live, how we function, the way we live our lives. And this is what Ezra did. He turned his heart to study the law of the Lord and to do it. And then he got it right. Then he taught his statutes in Israel. So this is very important. We got to, first of all, know it, know the word. Then we've got to do the word. And then we teach the word, right? And this is very important. That's a very important order. Now, in Ezra chapter 4, it, it's really fascinating because uh, Misael's been preaching through the first three chapters here in Ezra, and, and 
And as we get to chapter 4, it's, it's really fascinating. Now, you remember the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, which is where we're going to be over the next several months. Ezra is when God's people got right with the Lord, that they, and God fulfilled these incredible prophecies in Jeremiah and Isaiah that were written hundreds of years before this time. And, and it fulfilled it to the day because God just orchestrated rulers and these ruthless world powers that didn't really want to follow Yahweh or God. And God says, hey, look, I got a plan. And by his word, Cyrus fulfills the prophecy of Jeremiah 29.10, and it's the craziest deal. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I believe the Bible. This is one of the reasons why I believe in Jesus, because fulfilled prophecy, these things that, that just come about because God said they would. And I would challenge you to believe the Bible too. Because God's promises are something you can stand on, that you can count on, that you can be assured in. And this is something I want you to know. But it's interesting as you look at Ezra 4, man, it was a tough time. You know, it's in, uh, Ezra 4, the main idea of Ezra 4 is that God glorifies himself in the weak. Let's think about that. In Ezra 4, it's the time when God's people were really, really weak. But God glorifies himself in the weak, and, 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 he, and he gives people faith. People overcome challenges by faith, right? And that's why it's right for these Afghan church, this Afghan church leader to say, look, Lord, you're going to be faithful in the midst of these very difficult situations. And that's what Ezra 4 is about. This chapter, and you know what this chapter um, and, I, and here's what I want to do. I want to kind of do a 30,000-foot view of this chapter. Uh, so we're going to hover over it, okay? Because this chapter is, is, is kind of written. Have you ever seen one of those movies that keep flashing back and forward, you know? It keeps going, like, it shows you a, a, a scene in the past, and then it goes back to the, for, the, the future. I don't know if you ever saw the, the TV series, This Is Us. Uh, it's a, it was very popular, and it was always kind of going back and forth, and you're like, is that old, or is that new, who's the young guy, who's the old guy, and, and, it's, and it's, this is what chapter 4 is like. It kind of keeps going back and forth here, and uh, so it's, it's written thematically, not chronologically. That's important to understand as you look at this chapter, and in verses 1 through 5, it talks about, and Ezra is talking about all the opposition that they're facing. They're facing opposition, uh, opposition from the time of Cyrus to Darius in chapter 4, in chapter 4, 1 through 5. Look at verses 1 through 5 there. Chapter, verses 1 says, now when the adversaries of Judah and Benjamin, notice that they were adversaries, they heard that the, that the returned exiles were building the temple to the Lord, the God of Israel, they approached Zerubbabel and the heads of their father's houses and said to them, hey, let us build with you, for we worship your God as you do. So, so you see, at first it seems like they're coming to help. But notice, verse 1, these were adversaries, right? These were people opposed to them. Verse 4 says, then the people of the land discouraged the people of Judah and made them afraid to build. And bribed counselors against them to frustrate their purposes all the days of Cyrus, king of Persia, even until the reign of Darius, king of Persia. So I want you to notice that, that there, this opposition comes to frustrate the plans of God. 
Now, let's recognize this. There's, there's often opposition that comes to frustrate the plans of God. Let's recognize that. Then you look at verses 6 and 7. You have, in, in 1 through 5, you see opposition from Cyrus to Darius. In chapter 7, it kind of shifts the camera from opposition to the time of... Now, aren't you glad? I'm glad my mom made, named me Chris, okay, and not... Ahasuerus, how do you say it? I don't know, it's a big Bible word, right? Uh, big Bible now, I'm glad my mom was gracious and made me Chris. And, but Ahasuerus to Artaxerxes in verses 6 and 7. Verse 6, and in the reign of Ahasuerus, in the beginning of his reign, they wrote an accusation against the inhabitants of Judah and Jerusalem. Verse 7, and in the days of Artaxerxes, Bishlam and Midrath, Midradath and Tabil and the rest of their associates wrote to Artaxerxes, king of Persia. The letter was written in Aramaic and translated. So you see again the camera turning on more opposition. Then, now, now you know, here's what's, here's what's interesting. I know this is a little Old Testament history, but let's notice something. And you look, if you look at verses 1 through 7, even though God's people are facing opposition, they never stopped trusting the Lord. Boy, let's not miss that. Even though there was opposition, that they, they never stopped. And, and, and honestly, they faced ongoing opposition. This wasn't like a one-and-done frustrating moment. This is a continuous opposition. And, and their faithfulness to God, their faithfulness to the Word of God, let's, 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 let's think about this for a second. Their faithfulness to the Word of God did not make the opposition go away. Now, that flies in the face of what Tulsa is known for. Okay? You know what Tulsa's known for, right? Tulsa's known for the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel. That idea that, that if you, oh, God wants you to be healthy. God wants you to be wealthy. God wants you to be prosperous. Hey, let me tell you something. Yesterday morning, one of the most faithful members of our church called me. And there's going to be a, a battle with stage three cancer. And I weep over that. But you know what? Because this person is one of the most faithful, gospel-focused people I have ever met. But see, look, opposition continuously comes. And we can't miss that. You look at, then it goes the, as you look at the verses 8 through 16, as we take a 30,000 foot view, you see Rahum's letter to Artaxerxes, and this letter was written, and you see this political wrangling and, and these political opposition, and the camera turns to the details of this letter, and we're not going to read the letter, but, but if you looked at it and if you read through it, you recognize, man, they have a good system of opposition, and they are effective at opposing God's people. Then you look at verse 24, the, it returns back to the time of Darius, and look at verse 24. I want you to see this. Then the work on the house of God that is in Jerusalem, notice that word, 
What's that word? What did it do? Stopped. The work stopped. And it ceased until the second year of the reign of Darius, king of Persia. Man, look at this. These are people right in the middle of God's will. I only have really one point today, kind of. My one point is this, and this is very important for us. Walking with the Lord produces spiritual conflict. I don't want you to miss that. Let me tell you something. When we walk with the Lord, we better get ready for some spiritual conflict. These exiles, that's what they've done. They, they, they've returned back to the Lord. They, they, they've come back saying, Lord, we're going to keep your word. Ezra is saying, God, we're coming back to your word to study it. We're going to do it. And we're going to fulfill this calling that, that you have prophesied from Jeremiah 29.10. And, and we're going to do it. And we're going to do what you've said. And do you know what? In spite of the opposition, they kept moving forward. You might go, well, Chris, they stopped. They were forced to stop. But they were still like, Lord, we will trust you. We will look to you. We will walk with you. And, and you know, there, there's a really famous New Testament passage in, in Ephesians chapter 6. You know about that verse, right? Ephesians chapter 6 where it talks about the, the spiritual armor. That, that in verse, uh, verse 13 it says, Therefore put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything to stand, stand firm. I want you to notice this verse. It doesn't say if the day of evil comes. It doesn't say the day of evil might show up. What does it say? When the day of evil comes. When Satan comes against you. And, and, and man, I'll tell you, this is what's happening in, in the time of Ezra. And it's, and it's, and it's fascinating as you, as you trace this history and as you walk through this story and you recognize that these are people right in the middle of God's will. They're, they're serving the Lord with all they have. And, and here's what you know about, about following the Lord. God's purposes will be frustrated, won't they? Like God is going to, uh, anytime God moves, Satan hates us. We are in a spiritual battle. And that's why I want to be a church, and I pray we are a church that always has our eye on the right battle. And guess who, guess who we're not supposed to fight? One another. We're not supposed to fight each other. We're supposed to, we're supposed to have our eye on the spiritual battle saying, Lord, we will follow you. And let me tell you something. We should expect opposition. We should. That's why 1 Peter 1, or 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7 says this, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. So let's recognize that God's purpose will be frustrated. Here's another point I want you to see, that, that faithfulness to God doesn't make opposition go away. Just because you're faithful to God, that doesn't mean that opposition's going to go away from you. And this is something I pray you understand and you see that, that 1 Peter 5, uh, 8 says this, says, be self-controlled and alert, right? Be alert. Because your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. And, and I want us to recognize that, look, 
Faithfulness doesn't make opposition go away. We will, we have an enemy that knows you, that knows us, that will fight against us. And look, we've got to recognize this. And here's what we need to see. You realize that conflicts really are blessings in disguise? Conflicts that we have. They're blessings that God gives us. And like I said, James 1, consider it pure joy, my brothers, when you encounter trials of many kinds because the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. So let's recognize the fact that, that look, temptations are going to come. Opposition will come. And this is why I want to challenge you today to surrender to the Lord. Look to the Lord, guys. Church family, let's look to the Lord. This is why I'm praying for our Afghans, that they look to the Lord. I'm praying for for us that, that in our spiritual battle, we look to the Lord. That as a church, we constantly look to the Lord. This year in my quiet time, I'm just noticing over and over again how God's people are just turning to the Lord and the benefit of just turning to God. And I want to challenge us. Let's look to the Lord. You know, let's choose to be disciplined, right? Let's choose to say, Lord, we're going to turn to your law. We're going we're to turn to what your word says. That's, we, we, you know, when we turn to the law of God, what, what is he saying in, in a New Testament vision? He's saying, look, follow Jesus. That's what he's saying. Come to Jesus. Trust in Christ and, and look to Jesus. And this is why I want to always be in front of you. And I, I look at all the pastors on our staff. We want to point our church to Jesus. I was on a plane the other day. I met a young man from Tulsa. He grew up in Tulsa. Lives in, in Atlanta right now. I was flying back home. And, and man, I was looking, we, we had a conversation, nice conversation on the plane. And, man, I, God, it was just an open window. He's sitting next to me on, my, on the plane, captive audience. I went Dale on him. Dale, I went you on him. Dale would witness to a doorknob if he thought he'd go to heaven. That's what I love about that man. And I got to share the gospel with Des. And, uh, and, and you know what? Look, people need Jesus. And it's my prayer that we follow, follow Christ. And, and, and when you look at Ezra and you look at this story and what's happening, what are they doing? What do they do in this opposition? They do something really important. They rejected doubt. They said, Lord, we're not going to doubt you. They, they did that. And this is something I pray we do. They refused to compromise. They said, look, we're not going to stop following the Lord. If you look at this, these, these opposers came in and said, hey, let us help you. They're like, no, no, we ain't compromising. We are not compromising one bit. And they didn't, and, 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 you know, they didn't do this regardless of the circumstances. And this is what I pray we do. I pray we walk with the Lord regardless of the circumstances, regardless of the challenges. And this is my prayer. You know, when I, when I think about this chapter, chapter 4, as we hover over it, let's, let's, let's recognize the power of John 16, 33. You know what that verse says? One of my favorite verses in all the New Testament. It says, I've, Jesus said this, I've told you these things, that in me you may have peace. In the world 
Notice this. In the world, you will have trouble. But take heart because I've overcome the world. Man, do you know, do you know how amazing that is? You know, that, that's one of the reasons I want you to follow Jesus. That's one of the reasons I looked at Des on the plane and said, Des, oh, man, I got to tell you how Jesus changed my life. Because Jesus gives me hope in this life. And when I think about these Afghan Christians that, that, that this very day may be giving their life to follow Christ, probably nobody's going to walk up to you and me and put a gun to our head and say, if you renounce Jesus, you know what I heard about these, these, uh, these uh, Taliban soldiers? Those that are, are really, really devout, uh, they will walk up and find a Christian and kill them immediately. Those that are somewhat sympathetic will give them three days to recant. If they don't, they'll kill them. I thought about, man, God, are you, where are you in all this? Let me tell you something, God's right in the middle of all this. And there are some that will be trustworthy enough. Hebrews 11 talks about these kind of people that, that their, their mind is so focused on heaven. Their mind is so focused on, 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 on being devoted to Christ that this world is not worthy of, of them. That they're, 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 they're blessed enough to give their life follow Jesus. So let's remember to pray for these three things. And, and you know what? In fact, we're, we're going to have an invitation. I, I, I promised Misael that I wouldn't preach over 50 minutes today, okay? Because I'm a, you know, Misael is, I, I, he's always inspiring to me because he, he preaches shorter than me and he's pushing me to, hey, Chris, wrap it up a little more. But I like to preach too much, I think. But you know what? I need to stop preaching today because we need to start. We need to start responding today. Let me tell you something. We need to pray for these believers in Christ. We need to pray for for what God's called us to do right here in this spiritual battle. We need to get ready for the opposition that comes our way. Because let me tell you something. There will be opposition continually. And this is what I pray for us as a church, that we will be the kind of believers that say, Lord, no matter what opposition comes our way, we will trust you. No matter how messy it is to have a Wednesday night with a hundred lost people in our building, may we just say, bring it, Lord. Use us, Lord. We need to pray for more help on Wednesday nights. Guess what? Can I tell you something? Do you realize that for a year, one year, we were praying, God, would you lead us to a bilingual worship leader? One year. And then one day, a fellow church in Owasso said, hey, have you ever met Jesus Galindo? They're like, huh, never met him. 
They sent us a video of him leading worship at their church in Los Angeles. He goes, yeah, I think he, I think he speaks Spanish. We're like, huh. We met with him. His Spanish is even better than mine. I know, I know, I know. That's amazing. Most of the time when I speak Spanish, myself, it's just like, man, it's not right, Paul. You know? But, you know, that right there, that's an answer. That man right there is an answer to a year-long prayer. The most powerful thing we've done today most powerful thing we're going to do right now is pray. And we might sit here and think, okay, what can the 112 of us in this room, can we really bring any support and comfort to Afghanistan Christians? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, it's a big has authority over everything. And his word is power. 